he was like saying, what's, you know, what are you doing? What are you, what's, you know, I would say, yeah, I'm just taking too many Vicodins. I'm going to chill out. You know, I just, I put it on that. You know, we went through a turmoil. Like we had, I was trying to do business and real estate and stuff. And so we got in a big old fight and I was like paranoid that he was stealing money, all this crazy stuff. And then I finally told him and he was like, oh my gosh, that, that this totally makes sense. You've been on that. You've lost your mind basically. Pollux.com, in partnership with Heart Support and the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation, is proud to present High Notes, a podcast about addiction and recovery in the music business. I'm your host, James Shotwell. My guest this episode is Brian Head Welch, one of the founding members of the multi-platinum Grammy Award-winning group Korn, whose latest album, The Nothing, is available now wherever you get music. Brian is a guest that almost needs no introduction. He's an internationally recognized rock and roll musician who has released numerous albums, gone platinum, won Grammys, traveled the world, and can step on stage in virtually any country to find thousands of people who not only know his name, but can sing along to every single word of every song he plays on. He's truly in an elite position in the music business, and that level of success has allowed him to live out his wildest fantasies. And at one point, it almost ruined his life. In this episode, Brian is going to tell us about his journey to recovery and the role that religion played in it, but also what he's doing in the future. Because like many of our guests, Brian is determined to help other musicians live a better life. And he's going to tell us how he plans to do that in just a little bit. But to begin our conversation, he takes me back to the beginning. He takes me back to the night that changed everything in his life. It was, it was when I was in Germany, I think, and I ran out of drugs, met weed, and I had my dealer FedEx me mess from California all the way to Germany. You know, pretty much the beginning of the internet, uh, 2004. It was it was right. You know, it was just getting going. So maybe not the beginning. So you you had the FedEx tracking and everything, and I watched the package go here and there and there and all these different you know places. And I'm like, is it going to move or are they going to find it? Am I going to get busted? And so that's when I was like, I got to change. I have a daughter at home. I'm a single dad and. My parents are helping me watch her. I have nanny, full-time nanny. You know, what happens? Then my parents, if I go to jail or something, you know, then my parents have this kid, at, you know, and they're in their, you know, probably mid-60s at that time. Not cool. That was a wake-up call. Let's stop and think about this for a second. Head was so consumed with his addiction that he didn't think twice to have drugs shipped to him on tour in another country. That process would require the package to be reviewed by several inspectors possibly even dogs, and he didn't think twice about it, at least not at first. So I was curious if he was ever worried that the United States would catch on to what he was doing, but he tells me it wasn't the United States he was worried about. I was more worried about the other countries finding it, you know, because that's a, that's a no-no. <laughs> I mean, I went to Asia, bro. I went to Asia with, with meth packed in my suitcases and stuff. And we went, we went to these countries that, like, if you brought anything in that, you know, they, they can they can do any, they can put you to death, they can they can put you in jail. It's like, so there was some really strict, strict places in Asia. So I was, I was scared. It, it's weird when you get past that point in your life and you look back, you can almost be like retroactively scared. Like you realize how 
dire the position you put yourself in but maybe at the time you didn't understand the gravity of it but now you do and like it's like when you get a survive a car crash and you keep having flashbacks to it you're like that was terrifying i didn't even realize what i was doing right yeah totally that's how it feels the decision to change your life is a scary one all of a sudden you choose to be a different kind of person who lives differently and makes different choices and i wanted to know who had confided in on that night in germany when he was waiting for those drugs to arrive and he decided he wasn't going to do them, who did he turn to, and what did they talk about? So, obviously, the dealers knew. So, that the two dealers I had, one was Bakersfield, California, one was um, Huntington Beach, California, and, uh, and so they knew that was it. Nobody else in my world at home or on the road or in the band or the crew or anybody knew what I was doing. I had this isolation secret. So the first person I told was one of my best friends at the time. His name was Donnie. You know, I told him. It was like saying, what's, you know, what are you doing? What are you, what's, you know, I would, I would say, yeah, I'm just taking too many Vicodins. I'm going to chill out. You know, I just, I put it on that. You know, we went through a turmoil. Like we had, I was trying to do business and real estate and stuff. And so we got in a big old fight and I was like paranoid that he was stealing money, all this crazy stuff. And then I finally told him and he was like, oh my gosh, that that this totally makes sense. You've been on meth. You've lost your mind, basically. I was spun out. And so it made sense to him. You know, he was, he just encouraged me. Like he's, it's funny because he's not, he wasn't a churchgoer or anything, but he encouraged me like go to church, you know, and these crazy things were happening to me. And he was like, it looks like God's calling you, man. And he wasn't even like a believer. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Head took his friend's advice to heart and not long after left corn. He then found religion and began working on his own solo album and his first book, which both share the same title, Save Me From Myself. Anyone in recovery will tell you that one of the first steps to leading a better life is to admit that you need help, to ask others to help save you from yourself, because that's the only way to get better. And thanks to his writing and his music, Head has been able to encourage thousands, if not millions of fans to take steps towards leading a better life. But it's not something that he likes to brag about or even gets a big ego over. It's just something he feels compelled to do. Yeah, you know what? I don't, it's crazy because um, I hear it a lot, but I don't like dwell on it, you know, because I know that, that I'm, I'm just grateful to be free, you know, and, uh, and my mission is to help people. And so I, I hear it all the time and, uh, and I'm just grateful to be able to, you know, that, that it could have been different. I could have had a different ending to my story. So I just thank God that I'm able to uh, help people and shine light on the problem and to give people like the thought, you know, if, if he can do it with all the free drugs and everything that he, he had coming in, if he can get past it, then I know I can, you know, it just, it gives people just that hope that that guy probably partied worse than me than I've ever done in my life. And he quit, so I can quit. We love little nuggets of wisdom here at High Notes, and Head has a great one. Not long after he got sober, he did an interview where he compared his addiction to eating hamburgers. Head says, if you eat a hamburger every single day of your life, eventually you're going to get sick of hamburgers. Yeah, you know, I just, I, ran, I lost the taste for it. And I think it has to do with a lot of just being over it. Me and Steven Tyler said, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I just got sick of it. And so pretty simple alcohol to me equals, you know, problems for me. Drugs equal massive problems for me. If I even drink a little bit, there's a price to pay. I get massively depressed. My body is like rejects it. 
and uh, my soul, it's like my soul rejects even a little bit of alcohol. And so it's like, if I want to pay that price, but I've already paid the price, you know, over and over. So the, the metaphor, like, a, you know, kid in a candy store, you know, every, every day after school, he's get free candy. You know, after a little while, he's going to be like, I don't want candy. You know, it's just, it's, you're going to get tired of it. And so, so yeah, I just, you know, you come to a point where like, you want to feel good. You want to, you want to feel good inside and out. I do wish, you know, I could have a couple drinks, you know, but I, I can't stop. So I, I just have to stay away. And I'm to the point now I'm so strong, you know, there's people drinking around me all the time out on the road, you know. Sometimes I'll just grab a beer and like smell it and give it back to them. <laughs> Be like, oh, I remember that. But that's it. So I'm pretty strong. I wouldn't recommend people doing that, especially if they're just obviously fresh, freshly sober. What Head is describing here is incredibly relatable to anyone that's given up drugs or alcohol. From time to time, your brain will think, why don't we do it again, just once? Because as we recall, we did enjoy it, at least for a time. Drugs and alcohol can be incredibly fun. But as people that have gone through the recovery process recognize, that fun never lasts. And sometimes what you need to do is to play it out. To say, okay, if I take one drink tonight, what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day? Will I be able to stop? And most often we realize, no, we won't. Yeah, it's the price that you pay. Everything has a cost, right? But I wrote in my second book, uh, it was like a part two to save me for myself. I actually, I was tired of not being able to just have a couple drinks, you know? And so I was like, I can have some wine. In 2015, I started having some wine. And about a month into it, I was drinking the whole bottle. And then I was like, Okay, well, this isn't for me because I'm already going up and, you know, farther and drinking more and more. I'm going to have to quit, but I'll quit next month. And I was like, I haven't had a beer. And so I so I started drinking beer and started drinking just uh, everything. Actually, vodka, Jack Daniels. I was I started I just was like, I've stopped everything. And, and I'm just going to go have some fun, you know, that uh, led me to massive depression. And uh, just, uh, it was not good. And so, but I did, I quit. So 15 years since I first quit, but I had a small hiccup. And I'm not one of those guys that starts over now and counts every day and every month and every year. Everyone's wired different, right? To me, in my mind, I'm already free, you know, and uh, I just had a hiccup along the road. And you can't let that, I, I hate the starting over thing. It's just like, oh, that was just a hiccup and now I'm back, you know? That's not me anymore. And I tried to live like the old me and that's not me anymore. And so it was just a, it was just something that I went through that I learned, you know, it was a, a lesson learned. Absolutely. We actually had a, an intervention with a friend recently because they stopped talking about drinking a glass of wine. And one day we were talking and they said, I had eight glasses of wine yesterday. And I was like, that's about two bottles. Like that's, you have to start talking in bottles. You're, we, we you've hit a problem. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, that's, you have, we have, to, we have to draw a line. Yeah. And that's like dark purple teeth right there. Two bottles. My gosh, his teeth must've been like dark, dark purple, like my guitar I play. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Not so good. I want to bring that back around. In early 2020, before the coronavirus pandemic hit, Head opened a new business with Dr. Matt O'Neill called Zavell. It's a wellness center that has locations across America that is hoping to help musicians as well as everyday citizens lead better lives. And at this point in the interview, Dr. Matt joins us to discuss Zavell, the rising pandemic, which at the time had just begun, 
and where they hope to take their business in the future. Sobriety and, you know, my spiritual life has been everything to me. You know, it's just like, I feel like all that stuff is a counterfeit like I did before because I get this this feeling. It's a real thing that I have with the spiritual life, you know, and, you know, I go around and I just want to help people. And so when I met Dr. Matt here, he's a physical therapist, you know, and he, he, he just brought me out and we did some I did solo shows at first, you know, in, in Nebraska where he lived. And when I rejoined Corn, we just kept in contact. And when I rejoined Corn, he's like, oh, that's cool, you know. Because he's a metal fan and everything, and and he would come out to shows and just like, just hang out and be be a friend and and be a fan and and just get to know everybody. And he would bring like you know little exercise routines and everything on on paper or whatever, or and he would give them to Monkey say or give them to me and say, hey, try this before and after the show. And then we came to a spot where Jonathan really wanted a a touring physical therapist to help him stretch and everything, you know, and just to help him feel good every day. And so they asked him, he was out just hanging out with me one month and on the road and they asked, Hey, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, well, I got to practice at home. You know, he's got a bunch of employees, a bunch of other physical therapists under him. And so he's a busy man. He decided to go on the road with us. And that's how that whole thing happened. And I'll throw him in there. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Matt O'Neill. Now, the next voice you're going to hear is that of Dr. Matt, who's going to tell us about the origin story of Zavell and how he feels it can help musicians everywhere lead better lives. This is where it all originated from. You know, um, it, it came out of my desire, my love for helping people and what I've done my entire career. But when I was out on tour, I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, I've always lived at home and obviously and, and worked, uh, you know, within the city that I had my clinic in. So, I mean, I, I pretty much lived and worked within a three block radius. And uh, to go out on tour and to have the constant movement, the constant noise, just being the constant kind of abuse on the body and the mind out there just leads to major exhaustion. And I only did it for, you know, three months at a time, you know, in a single stretch. I couldn't imagine doing it for 25 years. And so we were up in Toronto and I was just exhausted. I was angry and it wasn't anything that was rational. It was simply that I wasn't getting good sleep and that I just, there was a monotony of each day and I wasn't sure how to actually handle it. I couldn't fix my brain pain. I couldn't fix my spine pain, my body pain. It didn't matter what I did for exercises or anything. And I was just kind of helpless a little bit. And I'm like, I gotta, I'm, we're out here for another two months. You know, I gotta get this together. And so I was willing to try anything that would help me. And I can really understand, at least in a, in a minor uh, point of view, why so many touring musicians turn to uh, things that will numb them and that will kind of slow things down is because it's tough. It is tough with the monotony that's out there. And so I went and floated for the first time up in Toronto. And I came out an hour later and I called my wife, uh, Sarah, and said, I found the thing I've been looking for because I, I fell asleep. And when I came out of the pod an hour later, my brain pain was gone. My spine pain was gone. Everything was gone. And I felt completely rejuvenated, completely renewed and restored. And it just freaked me out. And then, you know, I met up with Brian later that night and was telling him about the experience. And he's like, yeah, totally. He's like, I've, I've flowed before. It's awesome. You're in a highly dense, uh, saltwater, pod is what we utilize and it's just like a big spaceship is what it looks like and you're in there and the you float pretty much on top of the water is, is how dense that, that salt is 
and it's in a sensory less environment, right? It's not a, it's not a true sensory deprivation tank. It's a sensory less environment. So what I recommend is that people shut off the lights and the sound and we put our environment to where the water, the air and your skin temperature are all the same. And so what happens is your brain is actually able to shut off almost like you're in a deep sleep state, but you can do it instead of just for five minutes at a time, like you normally would in a sleep cycle, you can do it for hours at a time. And it literally dumps healing chemicals and hormones into your system to help heal your body and your mind uh, during that entire hour. And when everybody comes out of the float pod, their first response is always, man, I feel like I slept for a week because that's truly what's happening to the brain is it's releasing those things to heal you. And it's truly rejuvenating people's brains and and bodies during that time. And so within a, a number of months of being off a tour, I had my first place open in Nebraska. And then within a couple months after that, I was out here in Nashville with Brian and we just kind of started walking down this process to see how we could help people. And when we were talking about it, you know, you're talking about uh, recovery and uh, addiction recovery and helping musicians and stuff like that. And what I saw out on tour is it's twofold. It's the musician that we need to help, but it's also the family at home that we need to help as well. Because if we only help the musician, we're only we're only helping the people that are under the the stress of being out on tour. But there's a whole other side of the family and the people that are at home that are missing their spouses, they're missing their parents, and they're struggling as well. And so what we want to be able to do is we want to help people on tour, but we want to help the family as well. And when we do that, then that's going to have an increased impact upon the people that are on tour, the, the, cr- the crew, the musicians, everybody. And because um, when I was out on tour treating people, I didn't just treat band members. I treated crew. I treated staff members, anybody that needed help, I would help. That's kind of the focus of this company. Dr. Matt brought up a really good point about tour crews. You know, there may be five people on stage performing, but there's probably 50 or more backstage making that show possible. From sound and lighting guys to tour managers, bus drivers, and catering, there are a lot of people required to make a tour successful, and the job of being on tour is incredibly stressful. It can take a toll on your mind and body often in ways we don't expect. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's really similar to the military, right? I, I like, and there's a lot of correlations between just being gone. And that absence at a home is very, very impactful. You know, none of us, because of how we're just wired, none of us ever have the best thoughts possible. We always go to worst case scenario, right? Always. And that just gets amplified out on tour. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're, new to the to the scene or you've been doing it for 40 years um you know 25 years like these guys and 40 years like my uncle i mean it it's all the same and um yeah it's 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 a something that is definitely needs to be addressed some of these modalities we have they're for everybody just the other day we had our first customer come into our uh, spring hill tennessee location she was a, a principal you know and so it's just there's so much stress in the world. There's so much go, go, go. And, you know, we, we just need to stop and, and take some time to, uh, to, to give something to ourselves that will help us regenerate, regenerate everything, you know, mentally, uh, physically and emotionally. And so that's what we're trying to do with this. We, we both love to help people. And so this is just a cool business to get in that, that can help people. And 
you know, and I think it's going to grow. And so we can open more and more of them. Yeah. Cause you know, when you talk about addictions, if you say, if you ask somebody and, and they're truly honest with you and say, why do you take X, Y, and Z, or why do you drink? They're not going to say so I can get drunk. That, that's not their, that's not their, their goal. Their, their goal isn't to get high. It's they're typically what's triggering them is something else. They're bored, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed. They uh, want to numb out. They're, there's a, another reason why they're actually doing that thing. That thing is just the thing that gets them to that ultimate goal. And, and what has been shown through research is with the different modalities that we utilize, we can take somebody that has massive stress and anxiety, like clinical stress, anxiety, can't get out of the side of the house type of thing. And you can put them in a pod and 60 minutes later when they come out, their, their stress and anxiety level is cut in half. And then within two times a week for six weeks, you can get them to baseline. So I was talking with a gentleman yesterday who was in the military for eight years and uh, he's got PTSD and is being treated and he's on a ton of different meds for stress and anxiety and depression. And his wife is as well because she got burnout while he was in the military. And I'm like, man, I just want to, I just want to help you out. And he's like, I just want to get off of drugs. You know, he just wants to feel normal again. And that's what we're doing. It's, you know, like Brian said, it's, it's a principal at a school. It's an elderly gentleman who hasn't touched his feet in three years because his back is so stoved up. It's somebody that just wants to be able to just kind of reset and they want to sleep good again. Everybody has the reasons, but what we're trying to do is provide the solutions for those that actually work every single time and that they build on themselves and work better and better. And then we add in the different things like our podcasts and stuff, stuff that I've, I've talked to my patients about for 15 plus years, sleep better. Cool. Listen to our podcast for, and it's two hours on sleep and how you can improve that. You want to learn how to write goals or de-stress. De cool. Listen to that while you're doing these other things. And, you know, it's, it's not just a simple facet of we're going to be the, your new pill. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to provide the solutions for people to get them to where they want to go. One of our slogans that we use is Zavell or floating or cryo. It's a bridge between where you are and where you want to be. You know, it's not your end all end all. It's a bridge. Yeah. You're not trying to be like, here's the solution. Just help people along the journey to wellness. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of our other slogans or uh, phrases that we use is redefine health. We're not here to define health. I'm not here to tell you what you need to do or not do. I'm here to give you the solutions or not solutions, but I'm here, here to give you uh, a lot of information and how to apply it to your life. And you're going to find what works for you. The same workout that I do, uh, Brian shouldn't be doing that workout. We're two different people. You know, the same foods I eat, he shouldn't be eating. We're two different people, but we can all agree on what is healthy. We can all agree on what is best for sleep, you know, and we can start to practice that. And when we do, you think about if I can improve your life, then everyone that you come in contact with, hopefully you can improve their life as well. And it just continues to spread almost like the virus that we're talking about that that's spreading, right? It's, I was reading today, the virus uh, is spreading basically, it's a, like a 50% spread rate. So one person can spread it to two and a half people. Okay, well, this thing's going to burn itself out eventually, with hopefully with the, the different measures we're taking. But imagine if we could spread love that way. Imagine if we could spread health that way, that every single person that we come in contact with or out of 10 people, we're making 2.5 of theirs lives so much better that they will become infected with, with positivity and hope. And then they can 
go and infect somebody else. I need to point out that this episode of High Notes was recorded in March of 2020, shortly after the coronavirus pandemic hit and before the nationwide lockdown took effect. No one knew what was going to happen to Zavelle or any other small business at that time. All we could do is look to the future. So when Dr. Matt explains where they hope to go, please keep in mind that this was a pre-COVID era. We don't actually know what's going to happen in the future. We just do our best to plan as we're able. Yeah, well, we're heading, uh, we have uh, Katy, Texas as well. Uh, that'll be open here in the next two months. And uh, then we have a, a location that's going to be opening down in Macon, Georgia, and then back in Nebraska again. And then we're just expanding out from there. So we're in talks with people across the country. And the goal is to spread this throughout the country and then move around the world as well. We were asked a really important question before we really started this path um, about a year and a half ago. And the question was, that was presented to Brian and I was, do we want to do this nationally or do we want to do this globally? And we really, we, we really took the question seriously and thought about it because that's a, that's a difference in undertaking and difference in scope. And we just came to an agreement that, you know what, if we can help as many people as possible, why not try? And so our, our, our goal is global expansion uh, because we want to be able to help as many people as possible. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And you mentioned that you have a, a podcast too, right? Yeah, yep, the Zavelle podcast. It's on the Apple platform right now. Good. So anyone that's unable to get out right now, they can get out there. And what kind of things do you talk about on that show? Lots of different stuff. From the, the, the first one is just me uh, explaining kind of where I came from and, and my motivations in life, um, what kind of drove me to this point. And then we talked about overcoming stress, uh, life mapping or goal setting self-awareness, how you kind of deal with a moment-to-moment -moment basis of not getting so burnt out in your life, because that's really where addictions and uh, bad stuff happens. Nobody is super rested, eating healthy, and living their best life possible, and then turn to drugs, right? It doesn't happen. What happens is we turn to things that harm us when we are at our most vulnerable, which is typically when we're, when we're exhausted, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and, and uh, spiritually. So we talk about that. We talk about how to restart uh, re resolutions, how to sleep better, how to be happy, how to, you know, your best nutrition, those types of things. And the goal is that we don't just give information, but we give application. I use this, this concept that I've used for years with my patients of, in our world, there's an explosion of information. I can literally grab my phone right now and Google anything that I want uh, instantaneously. But we live in a world of a drought of application. How you apply that information you just got to your life to change your life and the lives of those people around you, that's what we're trying to do. Um, and that's what we're trying to push out there uh, through the podcast. And so right now we have eight episodes and we have a lot more that are recorded and that are in the works and um, that we'll be releasing here probably during the shutdown because it's a perfect time to be working on that stuff. We make a conscious effort at High Notes to not use the word advice unless we absolutely have to. To give advice infers that you know something the other person doesn't. You know where they are, where they've been, and where they need to go. And that is so rarely the case when talking about recovery. So instead, we make suggestions. And I wanted to know, what did Dr. Matt and Head have to suggest for people caught in the pandemic who may be feeling isolated or stressed or tempted by their addictive behaviors. They have an opportunity right now to improve their lives today, right? They don't have to wait until, until the world opens back up. They can change their sleep patterns today. 
right? And, and, and that's a key pivotal thing for me is that one thing, if we can change that one thing, they can start exercise in their homes today. One of the things that, that this brilliant psychologist that I, that I worked with, uh, what he said, he would, he would tell people, this is, so this is a little bit of a nugget for you at the end of this thing. If you want to change your world, change your perspective. So he would have somebody that was in severe clinical depression and they would just sit there and just stare at the wall or stare at the TV all day long. And he would say, he wouldn't change anything about them. All he would say was stand up from the chair, walk across the room every hour and sit in the other chair. And that simply moving somebody from one position to another, the different perspective on their TV, start to break them from that depression cycle. And I would do that with my, I did that with my patient one time and she came in and had all these issues going on. uh, And it was everybody else's fault and all this other stuff. And I just said, listen, I said, we just got to get you to move. I said, move what you can, move when you can, move how you can. Outside of that, we need, I don't, we can't do anything else. And she came back a week later and all of her spine pain was gone and she had a smile on her face. And I'm like, what did you do? She goes, I did what you said. I just moved. So even in this core team, I don't sit in front of the TV and Netflix for 12 hours, right? Get up every show if you need to and move across the room. Look at the, your world from a slightly different perspective and that will create this, this process to uh, create change in your life. I think the big takeaway from my conversation with Head and Dr. Matt is that there are always things we can do to improve our lives. Whether that's something big, like choosing to not drink or smoke, or little things, like getting more sleep, getting up earlier, or eating better. Every little step counts, and every little step puts us closer to the path to leading a better life. If you need help, or you know somebody that's caught in the struggle, please reach out. The entire High Notes team is here to help, and so are our partners. Heart Support and the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation have people who specialize in addiction and mental health that are waiting to hear from you. So please, do not feel alone because you're not. We're here for you, and we want to help you. As always, my name is James Shotwell. High Notes is brought to you by Holix.com. The show is produced and edited by Landon DeFever, with theme music from the band You, Me, and Everyone We Know. The artwork for our show was created by the great Nick Farron, If you would like to connect with High Notes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram by looking for High Notes Pod. That's High Notes P-O-D. There are more episodes coming soon, so please stick around. We'd love to have you.